Hello and welcome to the Tech in the Hood podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Flex Omar. Tech in the Hood is a storytelling podcast that explores the past, present, and future of Chicago's cultural identity through conversations about community and technology. Each week, I reconnect with the friends and mentors who have shared this journey and spotlight new voices and innovators building the future of the tech in the hood. Welcome back to Tech in the Hood, the show that brings you all things art, business, culture, and of course, technology. With me today in the studio is my dear friend, Joe Brocato. Joe, welcome to the studio. It's good to be here, Flex. How you doing today? I'm doing great, man. Awesome. Yeah, so I always like to start off the podcast to introduce the audience and how you know me and the guests know know each other and um i think our introduction came via you know a friend of ours uh emil eldada yeah emil sure yeah how many years ago is that that was a while ago yeah i think maybe over a decade now at least over a decade yeah it's been a it's been a while and um so true story and um I haven't shared this with you, so I guess I'll Uh-oh. share it on the Uh-oh. podcast. <laughs> I, was, Great. I was nervous when I first met you because um, Emil was like, oh, yeah, this guy's Joe, you know, attorney friend of mine, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, yeah, he, he reps the Blackhawks and so on. And I was like, ooh. Yeah. Well, I was nervous meeting you too. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so I was like, all right, let's see. But man, the minute I walked into your office, you know, you was just so gracious and you know uh, generous and we didn't even talk business you know we just talk yeah. relationship and mm-hmm. focused more on um you know what we have you know in common yep. we talked about entertainment he talked about you know yeah, you being a musician you know yep. all of all of that and i was really endearing and then i was like okay and then you started talking about you know being a life coach right yep. as well and your your book at the, t- uh, at, at, the at time. the time, yeah. yeah. And so my question at that time was like, did you do a book signing? And he said, no. And so. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you will go down in history as <laughs> the first person to give me the opportunity to do a book signing <laughs> for my book at that time, which was Happy is Cool, How to yeah. Ignite the True Happiness in You. So I was honored to be asked. And I literally remember that like it was yesterday. I remember the room we were in, yeah. remember doing a little talk and then people, you know, getting books and I'm signing books and it was just a really cool experience. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. Shout out to Tech Nexus. That's the, right. Yeah. At the time yep. they were hosting. Yep. Is that I do remember you walking over with uh, the bo- uh, box, uh, yes. boxes of uh, exactly. books from your office. With the hope and uh, fantasy that I'd sell them all, you know, yeah. people would actually want them, right? I, I so. think we sold them all. I think we did. Yeah. I think we did. Yeah. yeah. So Thanks was, to you and uh, the great people that were there, of course. No, it's my pleasure. You know, so, I mean, obviously known each other, you know, for, you know, a long time, but mm-hmm. having really done business together even just uh, only only recently mm-hmm. right you know so um timing timing is you know everything and speaking of timing you just came out with your uh, new book i did yeah yeah we uh we launched that uh may 1st okay of this year 2023 and um had a really big uh 
World store, in-store launch at uh, Barnes & Noble in Oak Brook. And you were there. Uh, I was honored to have you uh, and a bunch of We had over, as you know, over 100 people yeah. sold out of all the books. So it was a, it was a great honor for me to be supported by Barnes and Noble and I've got another book signing coming up at Barber's Bookstore. So um, it's been a really interesting journey so far and it really all started May 1 with the official launch and then May 4th with the in-store world launch at Barnes. So uh, yeah, so we're just trying to get the message out there at this point. That's awesome. So 21 roles, why 21? Why not? Um, <laughs> It's one of my favorite numbers, by the way. It, it, it is. It is. And uh, happens to be one half of the number on your hat right now. Mm, look at that. There's got to be a relationship yeah, yeah, with that, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I literally just started writing down some intuitive, pragmatic mm -hmm. things that I have always used. Since starting practicing law, and even before that, I've been practicing law now for thirty, little over 31 years, and I started thinking about things that I have noticed uh, in myself in terms of how I go out and when I meet people for the very first time and make that great first impression to developing a long-term emotional connection, which is really important when you're trying to accomplish a goal in a relationship. And uh, I just came up with 21 uh, rules. I think initially it may have been maybe 20, and I said, you know what, 21 one's a nice round number. So let me just bump it up one. And so I ended up with 21 and uh, I go to Vegas a fair amount and what better yeah. number than 21 for yeah, a guy that goes to Vegas black, a lot, right? Blackjack. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So. That's awesome. So yeah, um, take us a little bit, you know, uh, through, uh, through the, uh, through the book. Um, mm -hmm. What, uh, what would you say is the, top three, you know, rules. If people, you know, don't get a chance to like read the entire book right away, yeah. like, what, what would you recommend? Well, I think like the, the central message of the book that really is the umbrella for everything is applying critical thinking mm -hmm. and mindfulness to the interpersonal dynamic. Sure. And what I mean by that is we need to really change the way we think about how we approach a relationship. Right. A lot of times we just leave a lot of goal pursuit in a relationship to fortuity. And I've never thought that fortuity was a great business model. So when you apply critical thinking, which is what these 21 rules really is intended to help you do, mm -hmm. you're really, um, coming at this from a, a different perspective. You're not leaving anything really to fortuity. You're taking control of the environment and you're really coming in it with carefully assessing information and looking objectively at something and really being mindful and acutely aware of that interpersonal dynamic. And the whole idea really is to develop what I call a unique relationship with someone. That's a relationship that I define as difficult, if not impossible, to replace from the moment you meet someone. Studies have shown that um, <clears throat> we tend to make snap judgments about people in the first two seconds we meet them. And we tend not to change those in early judgments, even after we have more information. So that first two seconds is really, really important. So the first rule in the book, you asked for three rules. First rule in the book is about eye contact. And there's a lot of science out there about how we can convey emotion 
through our eye contact. So given the setting that you're in, understanding the efficacy, and in the book, I really researched a lot of scientific uh, studies, Mm -hmm. um, uh, reports, uh, and other expert commentary, both psychologically, sociologically, and business studies around these things. And with respect to eye contact, there's a lot of science about how you can really use your eyes to convey your emotion, depending on the setting that you're in. A lot of times we even think about that. It's very simple, but what's the first thing you do when you meet someone, you tend to look into their eyes. Right. So you have to understand the science behind that and the efficacy of using that properly. A um, couple other rules that I really think about all the time well, is- actually, before yeah, we jump to that real sure. quick, um, during the pandemic, right, yeah. people were wearing masks. Yep. So you couldn't you know, um, see people, you know, True. so mm-hmm. eye contact was even you know more important. And a exactly. friend of mine who's a restaurateur, mm-hmm. uh, Ryan Marks, uh, would tell his staff, you know, Smile through your eyes. There you go. So I thought that was really, you know, powerful. Because it is powerful because the eyes do. We've all heard the phrase, you know, eyes are the window to the soul or mm-hmm. what have you. Mm-hmm. Turns out to be true. Yeah. And there's been a lot of people who have looked at this from a scientific perspective and really figured that out. So if you're using that rule or any other rules in the book, it's like a golf swing. You know, you have to learn some of these basic things. But once you get the flow down, and by the way, I am no expert at golf, just for the record, but <laughs> I do know there's a process involved sure, sure, sure. and I'm practicing all the time. There's at least I try to. Involved. There's some physics involved. <laughs> exactly. But once you, it's like signing your name, yeah. you know, once you have that muscle memory, mm-hmm. um, it's not that hard, but you have to practice. And actually at the, uh, the end of the book, there are a number of exercises where people can actually start practicing these things right away. And I like books where you can learn something uh, practically, but then start putting them into uh, action. Uh, And that's what I wanted to do with these exercises. That's that's incredible. Um, So does it matter, you know, the age or, you know, is there a particular, you know, group or personas, you know, that you're uh, targeting? You know, not really. I think that no matter what age you're at, where you're at um, uh, in your career, whether you're still in school, um, that these things are all about taking, whether it's a business relationship or a personal relationship, and mapping out the most strategic pathway to achieving your goal. When I was uh, starting in in my legal profession, um, I started trying to develop business. And as you know, developing business is not that easy. Um, People have to trust you. You have to be uh, competent, obviously. You have to really convey uh, the fact that you care sincerely about the other person and their business. And I ended up hitting wall after wall, a lot of challenges and obstacles. You know, you fall off the horse, you get back on the horse. And I found there to be a lot of inefficiency for me achieving my goal of really developing a great book of business, great clientele. And what I want to do is really provide to people a more efficient way to go about achieving the goal. So, for example, a uh, second rule that I'll comment on mm-hmm. uh, is rule number two, actually, about planning to achieve goals in reverse, which is interesting. It's mm-hmm. a scientific concept called future retrospection, mm-hmm. which basically says you don't just start with a nebulous goal in mind. Oh, I want to go and develop a bunch of business. I want to start it today and, and plot along. And like I said, let fortuity take over. It's not sure. a great, great approach. Future mm-hmm. retrospection basically says you, you start with the end vision. 
where do you want to be at a certain point in your career? Yeah. It could be a year from now, five years from now, whatever the case might be. And then you are as detailed as possible about that. And then you work methodically backwards. It could be a week before you achieve your goal. It could be a year, two years to the present day with an immediate action item. And what science shows is that when you do that, you tend to avoid going down the wrong rabbit holes, you're much more efficient, and you're probably gonna increase the likelihood of achieving that goal. So that's something that we don't think about, but science actually gives us this tool to work with. That's incredible. So did you do the science part, um, the research on your own, or did you? Uh, Unfortunately. Research? Yeah, that's a, lot, that's a lot of work. Yeah, it, it is. Um, I, I enjoy it. I didn't want it to be just me saying, hey, I'm Joe Bricado and here are things that I think you should do. I really wanted it to be based on something much more than me. And frankly, what better than studies that are specifically focused on certain things? Mm -hmm. So when I came up with this, this list, if you will, of these 21 rules, I, I hoped and prayed that there was some good science behind, behind them, and turns out there was. Now that's, that's awesome. So LinkedIn, um, and you know me, I always post on you LinkedIn. Do. So recently they reached out and were like, can you contribute to an article that we're um, work, uh, working on? Mm. And so uh, my contribution you know, in terms of the quote, you know, was for uh, long-term, you know, goals and uh, advice to, you know, start, mm -hmm. startup founders yes. is break down your long-term goals into smaller actionable milestones mm -hmm. and then i also give gave the example of uh, biz tone who's uh, the co-founder for uh twitter mm -hmm. and he said timing perseverance and 10 years of uh, trying will eventually make it look like an overnight uh, success. success yep um and basically i said this approach allows you to not only maintain focus on your overarching vision but also to measure your advancement mm -hmm. along along the way, you know? So for me, I gamify it. I like that approach. And that really gets to that strategic mm -hmm. approach that it and makes make it, it fun. fun you right? make it fun. So there you go. And you're able to keep track a little bit more. Mm -hmm. You're more organized. You're more efficient. Yep. You know, we uh, both, as you know, went to Loyola University. We're oh, both very right. proud yeah, of yeah. that. Shout out, shout out to the Ramblers. Shout out to the Ramblers. Um, I was an econ major. And so when I think about things, I tend to, thanks to Loyola, <laughs> think about things from an efficiency perspective. That's right. So what is the most efficient pathway to something? And the things that you've quoted there, um, that you're recommending um, go toward the concept of efficiency. Mm -hmm. And if people really want to maximize the likelihood of achieving whatever goal they have, it could be in their personal life, it could be in a business context, why not be more strategic? Right. And I think those quotes in terms of keeping people on track, mm -hmm. setting that goal and having milestones, and the rules in my book are really intended to help people do that. No, absolutely. Um, you have a morning routine that keeps you focused? I actually do. Um, I, I meditate for five minutes. I know I should meditate longer, but uh, a lot of things going on. Um, and then I listen to about 10 minutes uh, as I'm kind of getting ready for the morning, mm -hmm. uh, positive affirmations. Sure. And, uh, you know, I really find that's a great way to start my morning. Yeah. 
And then I tend to, uh, if I've got time and I try to fit it in every morning, uh, read, uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of several books. So I, I like reading and I like picking up, even if I read a chapter of something, yeah. um, I really enjoy just kind of internalizing that and then setting goals for the day. I try to set at least three goals for the day and I keep a little journal and I write down three goals for the day and then three things that I'm uh, grateful for, really. It really helps me to settle in, um, keep things real, if you will, and hopefully get the day off to a good start. No, absolutely. I have a, I have a similar uh, morning routine. I don't, I don't get it right. You know, there are certain times, you know, I, I, I derail, you know, especially if it's building a new startup or yep. even starting a podcast. And then I go back to it in my morning routine and it helps me you know, recenter mm-hmm. uh, gratitude and affirmations is, you know, really, right. really important. Obviously when it's uh, nice outside, you know, just go out there and get some sunlight, you know, just, yeah, start, absolutely. just start, just start the day, you know, in that way and not even look at social media emails, you yep. know, what's, what's, what's happening, you know, so that's, uh, that helps, that helps a lot. It really does. And, um, recently I was at a lecture, um, at the Chicago theater Mm. with, uh, Dr. Andrew, uh, Heberman. He's got a, a podcast called the Heberman, uh, lab. And he talks a lot about, you know, getting sunlight, you know, early in the day. Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm going to have to see about the winter <laughs> in Chicago. Get yourself to find a fake, fake light. Get yourself a happy light. A happy light. <laughs> it's a happy light. You get it online. Exactly. Different sizes, depending on how much sunlight you want in the middle of winter in Chicago. Exactly. So winters are, you know, always, you know, tough. But um yep working um i went to Loyola for accounting actually mm-hmm. so uh, initially computer science major and then switched into uh, accounting but uh, tax season is all is always in the winter yeah right? and so it's busy season so uh, sort of that became my routine you know too over the years that's when i get my mm-hmm. best work you know done i just have you know this intense uh focus yep. because of my you know uh t- training and that's basically like muscle muscle memory you know exactly. so a lot of a lot of people mm-hmm. you know, go oh the winter's coming right i'm like oh i'm gonna be so efficient right <laughs> right I'm, the, exactly. I'm, I'm 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 the you know uh op- opposite you know so Absolutely. um you know that being you know said i want to shift a little bit yeah. and you know talk about you know the american dream i mean i'm an immigrant um refugee you know uh, survived genocide and you know somaliland and uh was very fortunate to uh, live in Abu Dhabi in the UAE for quite some time, and then to to come here, um, seek ref- uh, seek refuge, and you know build uh, b- uh, build a life, you know here. Um, also, be able to you know work and mm-hmm. you know look after my family and and so on. Right. So when I came here, you know the American dream for me was just you know I just want to pursue you know my uh, dreams you know my my passions and just you know be able to uh, take care of uh, my family um i wanted to ask you like what what is the american you know dream to you mm-hmm. does, does it still exist and also what advice do you have for you know young people well, that's a great question there's actually a uh, usa today article uh recently about uh, whether the American dream is still attainable for Gen Zers and millennials. Mm-hmm. And I want to say it was like maybe like 65% of uh, one of those groups believe that uh, it was not. 
Um, I personally believe that as long as this great country of ours is alive and well, so is the American dream. And I think that everybody needs to define that themselves. I really believe it goes back to our Declaration of Independence with the pursuit of happiness concept. So I do believe it's a concept first and foremost. Um, our framers didn't define what that happiness was necessarily. I think they left it up to us to define it. Um, and I would encapsulate that with the concept of prospering. Um, it, it, we have a greatest, we have the greatest country in the world, I believe, with all the uh, elements and the foundation to prosper, depending on how you define the American dream. If you go back to the Depression, for example, I'm sure that a lot of those folks, they were just, you know, their American dream was to have food on the table. And maybe their kids, they just want to have a steady job so they could put them through some sort of schooling. Um, you know, so I think that it is tougher for the younger generations now, but I think every generation has had it fairly tough. I look at my father, you know, he was also an immigrant, came, immigrant, came to this country and was 13 years old from Sicily and they didn't have any money and they were basically laborers. My great, my great grandfather, my grandfather, I should say, was a, um, uh, a cement finisher so on his hands and knees, finishing driveways and sidewalks his entire uh, professional life. Uh, my father, when he was getting started, worked five jobs, one of which was really digging graves in a graveyard. And so I kind of saw that coming up and how hard he worked. And they wanted a good paycheck. They were willing to work for it. Um, so I witnessed for the first time growing up the concept of work ethic, personal responsibility. And uh, they wanted to have a you know, a, a, a safe family. They wanted a safe environment. Uh, hopefully, you know, send me. I was only child to school, and um, and they did that, and they had a sacrifice. So I think that every generation has it difficult. Um, but I I am very very optimistic, notwithstanding the article that that uh, was out in USA Today recently, mm -hmm. and some of the perceptions that younger people have. I think it's about you know they need to keep in mind that. Anything really is possible, especially in this country. And I believe that with the technology um, that they have that other generations did not have, with the uh, all the advances in healthcare, with the opportunities to really have um, a work-life balance, you know, work-life balance, working from home, remote working, hybrid working, no one was even that wasn't even a possibility just a few years ago. Yeah. We were in a very command and control management style of running businesses, uh, we being in this country for the most part. The pandemic uh, shifted a lot of it to uh, trust and verify. Yeah. Hire the right people, trust them to do their job, verify that they're doing their jobs. Um, but, but because of that uh, phenomenon, uh, younger people really, they can work from home. They can actually pursue their well-being and their happiness probably a lot more so than a lot of other generations. So mm -hmm. I think they need to certainly remember that. I know it's difficult. There's a lot of negativity in the world. It seems like every time we turn on the news or something, uh, our phones are beeping all the time with negativity right around the world. It's very, very difficult. I get it. I understand it. However, because of the things I've said, technology, healthcare, uh, your the ability to pursue your uh, uh, what's going to make you happy, 
you know, a lot of people didn't have that opportunity back then. You know, they had to go into certain professions because they had to make money because they just needed to eat. Um, so the bottom line is, I think what what uh, younger folks in particular need to remember, but everybody needs to remember, I think, is that if you're looking at job success, and let's say you do define the American dream through a financial reward, mm -hmm. so you wanna have a, a nice home, you wanna have a nice car to drive, a safe car, you wanna be able to go on a vacation, whatever the case might be, you have to make money. We're in a capitalistic society, and everybody has the opportunity to make money. There have been studies that have shown that 85% of our success on the job is based on our skills with people. Mm -hmm. Relationships. Okay? Yeah. Only 15% relation, is based on our technical skills and our knowledge. Basically, things we go to school for. All right. So, and with the advent of AI, maybe we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think that 15% is going to shrink because mm -hmm. machine learning is going to take over. I think a lot, I think a lot of that technical skill yeah. uh, acumen that we have. And so, that 85% of relationship skills as a, as a measure and a pathway to success is going to be only more important. So, I think the, the, the significance of personal relationship skills, which is what my book is a big, uh, you know, the big messaging around, I think it's become increasingly more significant. I think younger folks in particular really need to harness what is within their control. That is within their control, how they go about developing relationships, how they move up in a company. If you want to start a company, how are you going to get investors? How are you going to get co-founders? How are you going to get people to believe in your vision? These are all relationship skills. No, absolutely. And thank you uh, for that. So, um, I'll give you kind of a little bit of a story in terms of my experience. Um, and God bless uh, Loyola because it's perfect mm -hmm. university for me. It's a city city school. Mm -hmm. You know, our business campus is located on uh, downtown yep. in, in 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 the in the in the Gold Coast. And, and I was working for um, the Hilton uh, DoubleTree um, at the time, and it was just. A couple of blocks down the street, you know, from from school, so I was able to work full time, mm -hmm. go to school full time, take care of my, you know, family, but then also eat and play in the same, you know, area. So that was super super and mm -hmm. build, you know, relationships. Um, I worked at uh, yeah, multiple jobs at the hotel, but the one that I enjoyed the most was being a host. Mm. You know, although they would mess up on my paycheck and put hostess. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that maybe they, maybe they were just resin yeah yeah <laughs> see how much you can take yeah, you know? as, long, as long as long as i you know got my paycheck you know right. I, I didn't care what they put on exactly. there so but it was really cool because i got to you know greet people and also i discovered very quickly that i had power because i had the power of where to seat people mm -hmm. and because i had the power of where to seat people you know, people wanted to build a relationship, you know, with me because they wanted to have a strategic location where they sat in the, you know, patio. Um, yep. The servers would say, please, I want so-and-so client, you know, so very, very quickly you realize, okay, well, this is an interesting, you know, uh, job. Yes. And then the manager, you know, starts putting, you know, some trust in you and, mm -hmm. you know, says, hey, I gotta go and do some inventory or whatever, mm -hmm. can you just, run the show for, you know, a few, uh, a few, a few hours, right. you know? And so for me, that was just a, you know, a great, um, ex experience, but I built so many, uh, relationships, you know, through that, um, one job. And then I was able also to, you know, go to school, um, down, down the street. And I 
recently I was uh, speaking, you know, to a young man who's just starting his mm -hmm. uh, freshman year at uh, Michigan, you know, state, and he's asking me about what advice I should give him. And I told him actually build relationships with your teachers because I was working full time and um, there were, I knew there was going to be times where I'd miss a homework or and so on. So I wanted uh, to have a relationship with my teachers and let them know right off the bat that, you know, mm -hmm. I have certain, you know, challenges, but that does not mean I'm looking for a special, you know, um, any, anything special. I right. just, I just wanted to let you know, in case, you know, uh, something happened and they appreciated that because I went early in the semester in the office hours and, you know, they became, uh, friends, uh, friends of mine, as opposed to like, students going at the end of the semester and saying, oh yeah, it's finals, you know, can you help me? And a teacher would say, where were you all year? Right, you know, absolutely. Now, 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 you, now you need me. So uh, one of the things that I always educate young people about is to stay away from transactional mm -hmm. uh, rela uh, relationships and building relationships over time is super, super uh, hard, but it's rewarding. And any business that I've, you know, uh, started being an entrepreneur now for, I don't know, um, over a decade, let's, uh, let's say it's all been, you know, relationships, you know, the, that I've built, you know, so that is, um, and that basically ties back to what we we're talking about regarding the, um, American, American dream. There's because I've had the perspective of, uh, living and growing up in, uh, multiple, you know, continents the opportunities here are endless. And I understand sometimes with young people, it's really hard to trust the process if you have not experienced it, or if you're, mm -hmm. you know, coming also, you know, from a uh, low income, you know, background with kind of the, uh, a lot of the young kids, you know, that I uh, network with, it's hard to like, you know, trust the process, but meeting someone like you and other uh, folks that I introduced them to, then, you know, they start, you know, calming down and saying, hey, you know what, let me just, let me just uh, trust the process. But mentorship is super, super important, you know, and so if you don't have someone in your family that has, again, um, experience, you know, that, you know, American dream in the, in the way that you want to, it's really hard to you know, trust the process. And I, I couldn't agree with you more on all of that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that Younger folks need to have good examples. Mm -hmm. um, our political leaders need to be better better examples. Our business leaders need to be better examples. Uh, parents need to be better examples uh, in the home. And it's really all about a lot of the fundamentals. And I and I've been blessed that I you know I had a great family growing up and um, Italian family, uh, or as my father yeah. would say, half Italian, half Sicilian, because he came from Sicily. So had to make that clarification. But, you know, things like respect, mm -hmm. you know, and I'll cap that off for the third rule you asked me about, you know, respect is something I learned around the kitchen table. You know, I tell a sweet story about my uh, my maternal grandmother on Sunday. She used to cook the pasta, you know, and the gravy. We called it gravy back then. I still call it gravy. And God forbid you didn't have your third or fourth helping. You were disrespecting grandma, you know. And it was just this thing. It was a it was a um, 
I think we've lost in in many ways the art of respect. Um, you know, when you were working at the hotel, you're seating people, you treated them with respect, or else you'd get fired, mm-hmm. right? Um, they treated you with respect because if they wanted to be seated in the right spot, the 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 servers treated you with respect because they wanted to have the the, the right patrons uh, that they wanted. So it's a it's a it's a nice um, uh, everybody's got a rational self interest, and if you learn to respect, what does respect really mean? It is acknowledging that the other person is a human being, should be valued, whether you agree with that individual or not. And frankly, if you're able to show respect, what the book really talks about, the science shows, is that it builds gratitude. Mm-hmm. And it helps people feel accepted. They're going to be a little bit more open to welcoming you into their world. And that can help you achieve your goal just a little bit more efficiently. No, oh, absolutely. So I've mentioned startups a couple of times. You know, I'm yep. a big uh, startup you know, uh, guy. But in, uh, early in my journey, I didn't you know, uh, consider working with attorneys or mm. you know, getting... Uh, legal, legal advice, but some lessons you learn it the hard way, right? And uh, that's just part of the, you know, journey. So I wanted to ask you, you know, sort of an advice to startup mm-hmm. founders. At what point do they start engaging, you know, with an attorney? I think something that you and I, you know, talked about is NDAs. And um, initially I was not big on NDAs because whenever I build any company and look at it as a project first Mm -hmm. remove all emotions you know uh, from it and then uh build an advisory board and just kind of like follow a scientific the scientific you know method i have a hypothesis and then i validate it you know through you know uh test uh, testing it right and recently unfortunately you know i've been seeing you know people that would copy you know what what i do and you know and 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 so on and it's you know and it's unfortunate you know so um they they can't execute at my level because they don't have my connections they don't you know have my Mm -hmm. you know secret secret sauce but um i'm starting to send ndas you know now and i think it also establishes you know that decorum of you know respect as well like respect Mm -hmm. my ip respect you know uh, my, uh, company, you know, assets. So I just wanted to, you know, ask you, uh, that question about, you know, startup founders and when to engage with, uh, attorneys. <laughs> I know it's, I know, I know it's a tough question. Well, you said we have what, three hours for this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> I go on and on and two, on two about answer. that. Of course, you know, yeah. I've been doing this for a little bit more than 31 years. So, yeah. um, Let's take a step back from the legality of it. Mm. Um, And and if I had to really think through or recommend something for people to start with is if you're a founder, Mm. one of the biggest mistakes that I've um, I've seen people make is, um, you know, not doing enough due diligence on any co-founders that they're working with. Um, Certainly, if you're by yourself, you're doing it on your own. You should be able to trust yourself. But a lot of times people get together and they get all excited. Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. Okay. And then um, when all the, the frills end and the work starts, people do have different perspectives on life. They have perspective, different perspectives on business. They have different perspectives on respect. 
And what ends up happening, unfortunately, in many cases, we have a lot of, I just call them partnership disputes, where um, in many cases, they don't have the right paperwork to govern any disputes. Mm -hmm. So that gets way out of whack and ends up costing them a lot of money, potentially in litigation dollars to hire lawyers to fight. Um, so I really recommend people really get to know, I call it who diligence, do your who diligence, um, find out who these people are, get to know them, develop reports, another key rule in the book about making sure you really share, uh, you're aligned in values, you have the same non-negotiables, you can avoid a lot of problems. You look at the high rate of failure for startups, you don't need the wrong co-founder. Mm -hmm. That'll increase your chances of failure. But you mentioned NDAs. Yeah, there, there are, you know, when, when should someone consult a lawyer? My, I always say as soon as possible. Um, <laughs> what lawyer wouldn't say that? And yeah. it's, it's something I believe in. The problem is a lot of people don't, can't afford lawyers. Right. That being said, uh, there are um, certain uh, uh, not-for-profits that mm -hmm. potentially can help lawyers for free. Um, you know, like, uh, law clinics like Loyola has has one. For exactly, yeah. exactly. For a number of years, I was uh, part of uh, Lawyers for the Creative Arts, mm -hmm. and it provided pro bono um, uh, legal service for. Uh, musicians and other artists who couldn't afford lawyers. Um, but again, develop relationships with lawyers. You don't have to hire them, get them to befriend you and vice versa. If you happen to know them or ask people, do you know a lawyer? Ask thoughts and, and, and get, get any recommendations you can just to familiarize yourself. And frankly, like going back to personal responsibility, go buy a book on basic legal things for ideas for uh, people who aren't lawyers. Mm -hmm. there, there's a, there are a lot of resources out there just to educate you on the panoply of potential issues that you have. I'm a big believer that, you know, NDAs are important. That said, it's all about whether or not that person is of integrity mm -hmm. because anybody can breach any contract. So you can have a piece of paper. Again, it gets to who are you dealing with? And a lot of, a lot of business is done without NDAs because people who trust each other don't need them necessarily. All right. um, but in addition to the concept of non-disclosure agreements, uh, non-circumvention is also very important. If you're bringing someone into a deal, if you're bringing someone into a company um, and you've got some relationships, you don't want them going around you. Mm -hmm. I actually just heard, it's quite fortuitous we're talking about, I just heard a story from a friend of mine who um, brought someone in on a deal and the, the, the gentleman that tried going around her um, went right to her main contact at this third party. And of course, the third party is calling her saying, who is this guy? And she didn't have a piece of paper. And not that it would have necessarily stopped it, mm -hmm. but it provides that disincentive. And like you said, it gets back to making sure you're starting with the foundation of respect. Because if there was that mutual respect, maybe that wouldn't have happened to begin with. No, absolutely. So spring us into, you know, the AI yes. uh, topic, which is, you know, hot right now. So you mentioned one way mm -hmm. for people to get educated on this uh, topic is, you know, purchase a book, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. uh, befriend an attorney. What about just asking ChatGPT? <laughs> <laughs> well, ChatGPT doesn't have a law degree, okay? I never recommend taking advice from anyone who doesn't have a law degree. Um, 
listen, there, there are a lot of resources out there. Um, it, nothing beats going to someone who's been trained in anything you're talking about. Sure. I'm not going to take my car to a lawyer who doesn't know how to fix cars, right? So it just, it just depends. Uh, you know, there's a lot of good information that we can access through artificial intelligence. I'm a big fan of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence has been around for years. Mm-hmm. Now, because of chat GPT in particular, it's become in vogue and everybody's yeah. talking about it. But it's been around for a long time. Um, and I think that the human being is only capable of processing so much information. So machine learning is going to get us to obviously a place we haven't been before in terms of just being able to process data. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually penned an article we're hopefully going to get published very soon around the growing significance of personal relationships in the age of AI, um, because notwithstanding how great and cool AI might be and how tempting it might be just to type something into ChatGPT, nothing beats that personal touch. Nothing beats the um, the relationship. Nothing beats the collaboration between two human beings. Human beings understand context. Human beings understand feelings that have to be measured in many cases. Um, Sometimes even in a professional context when you're giving advice to a client or a customer or whoever. So that's something that AI, I don't believe, will ever be able to do as well as human beings. Just take our corporate boardrooms. You know, boards of directors govern corporations. Until we are, as a human race, willing to forfeit governance of our corporations to machines, then we still have relevance. And I believe we have a significant relevance. So the bottom line is we're not doing that anytime soon. It's still the human being that signs on the dotted line and makes the decisions, pushes the go button. And I really think that's something that we need to keep in mind. It's a balance. And um, like any sort of technology, it could be overdone. It could be used for uh, ill means. But uh, let's remain optimistic and let's use it for hopefully to make our lives a little bit uh, better, more productive, and hopefully get us closer to prospering and achieve that American dream. No, absolutely. You know, so... I always look at technology as a net job creator, you know, so social media you know, uh, came uh, came about, you know, so many jobs were uh, created, right, through um, social media companies or you know, even consultants, I mean, mm-hmm. even, even um, uh, Salesforce, you know, how many jobs that, you know, Salesforce, just one company, right, right, right. you know, uh, create. And so AI, is you know moving at a really you know rapid um you know rate right now so i was curious to see how is it affecting your industry the legal you know uh, profession um are you still gonna hire uh was it paralegals is that paralegal sure yeah absolutely so so I'm a big believer, as I said, generally in artificial intelligence. I think it's going to really help our world in many great ways. Um, That said, it will disrupt just about every business, every profession. Um, I think the service industries are particularly vulnerable because remember, it's about the technical skill piece and the knowledge that you go to school for, whether it's Mm -hmm. law school or medical school or whatever schooling you have to have, let's call it just an esoteric form of knowledge. Well, nothing's esoteric to a machine. Um, So, you know, the the machines will certainly be helpful (coughs) in all of those professions. Mm -hmm. I don't think at all that AI is going to 
materially reduce the number of lawyers that are out there. But what I do believe is that lawyers who do not know how to use AI are going to be at a massive, massive disadvantage because clients are going to want more efficiency. And, and they're always going to want better and better results, obviously. So if machine learning can get you closer to that perfection that you're looking for in any situation, whether it's in a legal context or any other professional context, why wouldn't a professional want to access that? You know, if you don't know the answer to something, you look at, for it in a book, you know, Black's Law Dictionary. If you don't know a defined term in, in law, you look in Black's Law Dictionary. You access information. Machine learning is another form of accessing information, so why wouldn't you use it? Um, I don't think people should rely on AI for legal advice. I don't think that um, lawyers should be um, relying on it to certainly do uh, case law without verifying it independently through human means. So these are things that are very important, but it's an evolutionary yeah. process. The We're just AI starting. hallucinates too. You know, so there was yes. a, a story of an attorney right. that got in trouble. Oh, yeah. That was quite embarrassing, obviously. Yeah, Very poor judgment. Yes, especially with his <laughs> citations and, yes. you know, uh, so on. You know, so the way I, you know, what explain AI to, you know, people is, you know, you're the captain. The AI is the co-pilot. There you go. Right. So you're not going to, you know, blame the AI because you're you're the you're the captain. But AI has right. been, you know, great for even creative you know, uh, writing, absolutely. Um, and if efficiency is key, I mean, repetitive tasks that mm -hmm. you can use, um, AI, um, for absolutely. really helps increase, you know, uh, productivity. I've helped, uh, non-for-profits, you know, I've built bots, mm -hmm. you know, for them through, right. uh, FlexTech, you know, AI, and they've really, they've really loved that, you know, because mm -hmm. non-for-profits are under resource and, you know, and they're busy and, but Absolutely. when you go on, on a web on their website, you're trying to figure out, okay, well, why should I donate and what differentiates this non-for-profit? So in comes the bot, you know, and it right. can just answer the questions very quickly. And the key thing also is it could also direct you to the right person at that, you know, organization, you know, so it saves, it saves, you know, so much time and there's a higher, you know, rate of conversion too on, you know, uh, donations mm -hmm. and, and so on, you know, cause people, you know, invest in programs, invest in, you know, uh, people, you know, so if, if the bot, you know, can help in, you know, certain, in a certain Absolutely. way, why, uh, why, why not? But it's also important to have the conversations right now about the limitations mm -hmm. and the, you know, ethics because, uh, we've missed the boat on social media and social media it's, uh, unfortunately affected, you know, a lot of people that did not see it as a tool. I mean, when the pandemic, you know, hit, mm -hmm. um, and people, I, so people just fight about, you know, everything. I mean, and you go through the Facebook pictures. I mean, people, yeah. these people were on trips, you know, together, their neighbors, right. their friends, all of right. a sudden it's like one, you know, Facebook, you know, post and we just, it wasn't even intellectual, you know, uh, conversations, a lot of, you know, copy pasting and then just arguing in the comments about nothing. And then somebody you've never met in your life, you know, comes into that, you know, conversation. So we didn't have these conversations early on about, you know, limitations and mm -hmm. ethics and so on and moderation. You know, obviously Facebook, for example, started investing more and, you know, moderating, you know, the platform uh, fact checking and, mm -hmm. you know, um, all of that, you know, so that's, that's something that we need to have these conversations about for AI.
I, I agree with that. And um, unfortunately, uh, you mentioned kind of the, the disagreements on Facebook and just other social media platforms. Um, that is a microcosm of a broader uh, incivility that we're witnessing in our world right now. Um, and technology, unfortunately, helps people be more incivil. Um, and so we have to be very careful. Um, and and in, in the workplace in particular, there's a vast amount of incivility right now. There was a Harvard Business Review article uh, that reported um, the results of a study that was done that reported um, the extent of incivility in the workplace, which shocked me actually. Uh, and incivility, we're talking about rudeness, uh, disrespect or other insensitive behavior. And uh, 78% of respondents reported witnessing incivility in the workplace at least once a month. 70% uh, reported witnessing incivility in the workplace two to three times a month. Now, when I read that, I was like, this is crazy. We shouldn't have that. So unfortunately, human beings sometimes are prone to incivility. And this article actually talked about how it's contagious, like the common cold. So we do have to be very careful and measure and use technology for good. And again, going back to really the, the thesis of the book at its heart is human connection. And when you use technology wrong in a wrong way, you're fracturing that human connection with other people. Mm -hmm. You're not bringing people closer together. When you're in civil, you're not bringing people closer together. You're bringing people further apart. Human connection is one of the basic human needs. And by harnessing good relationship skills, I call them power skills. People used to call them soft skills. Yeah. I call them power skills. These are things that people really can access power to achieve their goals. When you're not being civil with people, there's a rule in here about um, when you disagree, find common ground. I think this would go a long way to end a lot of the incivility that we have right now mm -hmm. in the workplace, in society generally, in the world. And when you do disagree with someone, one easy way to deflect that and maintain the relationship is to pivot and really focus on and harness common values, aligned values, governing values, non-negotiable things that you can both rally behind. Mm -hmm. We're not necessarily thinking about doing that in a discussion. And so that's a way you can preserve things. People can do that on Facebook. They can do it on any social uh, media platform. And any of the rules that are in this book and the science that shows the efficacy of these rules transcends medium. Mm -hmm. It could be an in-person situation, it could be a video conference, it could be on social media anything, email, text, et cetera. There's no excuse for not being civil with people. And I think if people follow these rules, we have rules for everything. We have rules of the road. We have rules uh, uh, in our sports. We have uh, rules when we sit down at a table to eat. You know, everybody's got to get served first before anybody digs in. We don't necessarily have rules around how we go about efficiently dealing with people and achieving our goals very efficiently. And I think these 21 rules could put us on the pathway to do that. Oh, that's awesome. I think that's a great place to end the podcast, Perfect. you know, so appreciate you stopping by, you know, the studio, you know, today and giving us, you know, your time um, before we leave. Yeah. Where can people find you? Well, I'll be here for a few more minutes. So if you're in the area, um, 
You can visit my website for the book. It's called hititoffthebook.com, hititoffthebook.com. Love your uh, viewers and your listeners to follow me on social media, Joe Brocato Official. It's Joe Brocato Official. And uh, yeah, all my information's online, so I'd love for people to reach out. Awesome. Thank you so much, uh, Joe. Well, thank you very much, Flex. Great to to see you and uh, really an honor to be here. For sure. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Tech in the Hood. It's an honor to have you along for this journey. And I hope you tune in next week. Tech in the Hood is recorded in Ravenswood at the Chicago Podcast Studio. If you want to hear more, you can help by leaving an honest review of Tech in the Hood wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Tech in the Hood.